Hello, hello. Hello. Can everybody hear me okay? Well, we want to welcome you all to the first annual and hopefully not the last Spiritual Warfare Conference. Um, this conference has been something that's been birthed out of prayer. Uh, this is not something that we just thought, this is a nice ideal, seems cool to do, you know, let's just do it. Um, myself, Mitch, David, and Herman, and Dan, uh, for the past year, uh, every Wednesday we would try to meet together as much as possible. And so as we prayed and we looked at the culture and different things that were happening, we just felt impressed that this particular subject was something that is oftentimes neglected or not talked about. And so um, as we have prayed and as we sought the Lord, this is something that we felt is uh, the right thing to do and the right time to do it. Um, People oftentimes ask me as a pastor, what do you think the church as a whole is ignorant of, not discussed, and oftentimes misunderstood about? And I would say four things. First of all, uh, the attributes of God, the character of who God is and, and what he is and who he is exactly. Secondly, I would say is the personal work of the Holy Spirit. You've either got the Holy Spirit over here doing a circus act, uh, acts like a clown, the Bible never says, or most churches treat him like Elvis, and they lock him up and say he's left the building. And they hog time and put him in the basement, and he never comes out again. And so third thing would be the operation of spiritual gifts and how it flows well in balance uh, with preaching and teaching and the operation of supernatural. But then the fourth thing I would say is this topic here tonight, and that is uh, the reality of spiritual warfare uh, and demons. Uh, and Satan, the nature of how he works. And so we thought it to be important that we talk about this, especially in light of our culture, but also just in general uh, as a church. And I want to read to you a quote by J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle said, The saddest symptom about so many called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight in their Christianity. And of the great spiritual warfare, its watching, its struggling, its agonies and anxieties, its battles and contests, of this they appear to know absolutely nothing at all. Now that's a shameful reality, but it's true reality. And so tonight we pray that during this conference, both tonight and tomorrow, that you will be edified by what's been said, that it will build you up for those who are in Christ to strengthen you in your walk, well, not only will it edify you, but it will also equip you for your own personal walk and how to strengthen your own walk with Christ and do battle against the enemy and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ in your own life and then when you help other people as well. But that this would also serve as a means to not just equip, but also and not just to edify, but help to evangelize some of you. Some of you may come in here tonight and you, you will find yourself like Mark chapter 1. There was a demon who sat there in the temple for years in his religiosity and until the authority of Christ came, it was then that he finally manifested himself and say, Ha, we know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God. Have you come to destroy us before our appointed time? So maybe tonight you've been setting church all your entire life. And tonight, as you hear things talked and tomorrow, you may find agitation start to take place. You may find yourself getting angered. You may find things being dug up out of you that God's trying to use as a supernatural expression to bring things out of you and bring things to light that's been hidden for a long time. And we're asking God tonight through the scriptures and through the talks that he will do a good work here this evening. And so the flow tonight is going to be, we're going to do some worship here shortly after I pray. And Mitch is going to come first. And after each talk, Dan's going to come up and we're going to give a time of reflection to think about those things that we have just, um, we've just said. 
And then at the end, we're going to have a time of Q&A and a time of prayer for anything that's been talked about. Or if you feel in your life that there are some specific bondages that the devil himself, mentally, emotionally, whatever it may be, has got a, 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 a strangle on you with, we want to pray with you about that here this evening. And so we believe that the power of God is present. And when the power of God is present, he can birth something new within us and around you. And we pray that you will let him do that tonight. But we also know that as soon as the word of God is preached, the demons start getting active you get tired, you get distracted, and you get disturbed sometimes. All of this we need to prepare ourselves for because we don't just worship with song. We worship with our ears when we hear the word of God. So let's prepare ourselves this evening to see what God's going to do both tonight and tomorrow and let him have his way here uh, this evening. So let me pray. And Doc and Danny is going to come up this evening and lead us in some worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you allow us to step into your presence. It's a tremendous joy. It's an honor. It's a privilege that we don't deserve, but you certainly allow. And we pray, Lord, that your presence is magnified this evening. And we pray that the power of God is so effective through the word that's being spoken forth through the atmosphere of worship and just your presence being with us, that the enemy in anyone's life can't remain there no more, that there will be things that would be disturbed. Maybe it's sin problems. Maybe it's just problems in the personality. Maybe it's problems of the mind. Maybe it's problems of the emotions. Maybe it's a whole hodgepodge of jealousy and conflict and bitterness and all these things. Well, Lord, we pray tonight that you and your divine supernatural power would have your way among us. And I pray that we don't just come here and just hear these nice messages, but we walk away applying this to our life, that we walk away different than when we came to this building this evening. So, Lord, this time is yours. Display your glory and get glory for yourself. And we pray this all in the mighty, most powerful name that's above all names. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, everybody. How's everyone doing this evening? That was real convincing. Didn't well, full, good. That's good. Hope everyone's had a good day. It's so I'm so grateful, and I know that Dan is grateful too to be up here with you all to offer up songs of praise to the Lord this evening. As we offer songs and praise to the Lord, I ask that the songs that we do sing. Let it be a new song, even though they might not be new songs. Let's sing it in a manner in which they are brand new. Amen. Amen. Who is this King of glory that pursues me with his love? That haunts me with the cheering man of his father's spoken word. My conscience of reminder of forgiveness that I need. Who is this King of glory who offers it to me? Who is this King of angels, O oh, blessed Prince of Peace, revealing things of heaven? And all its mysteries 
my spirit's ever longing for his grace on which I stand. Who is this King of glory? The Son of God and Son of Man. His name is Jesus, precious Jesus, Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory. Who is this King of glory? With strength and majesty And wisdom beyond measure Through the gracious King of kings The Lord of earth and heaven The creator of all things He is this King of glory And He's everything to me His name is Jesus, precious Jesus, Lord Almighty, King of my heart, King of glory. His name is Jesus, precious Jesus, Lord Almighty, King of my heart. King of glory Who is this King of glory That pursues me with his love in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew right spirit within me. And cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew right spirit within me. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew right spirit within me. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew right spirit within me. And cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew thy spirit within me. 
cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew the right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. This next song, um, this song is both beautiful, even though it's about communion, even though we're not partaking of communion that I know of tonight. Um, I, I'm just saying that because you never know. It's all sorts of surprises, you know. Um but this song really does tell about what the Lord said to Peter in the book of Acts, that what I have made clean, everyone is clean. One breath, one body, one Lord of all, one cup of blessing which we bless. And we, the many, throughout the earth, we are one body in this one Lord. Gentile or Jew, a servant or free, woman or man, no more. One breath, one body. One Lord of all One cup of blessing which we bless And we Throughout the earth We are one body in this one Lord Gentile or Jew 
servant or free. Woman or man, no more. One brain, one body, one Lord of all. One kind of blessing which. We bless And we know many Throughout the earth We are one body in this one Lord. This last song that we play tonight before our first speaker comes up, I wanted to throw a song in here that truly speaks about the works of Christ particularly with Christ's work on the cross and with his ascension. Because even without the ascension, the crucifixion would have meant nothing. He had to fulfill every aspect of the law. And for him to resurrect and ascend back to his rightful place besides God, or beside God, this song truly describes that. Strain my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, where fears are still. When striving sees my comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless pain, 
this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground Where his body lay Light of the world by darkness slain Then bursting forth in glorious day Up from the grave he rose again And as he stands in victory Curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand No power of hell No power of hell No scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns Or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand Till he returns Or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand
He is here. Amen. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, and there's a few here that might not, my name is David Leland. I pastor West Madison Methodist Church in, in Madison. Um, I was born and raised in this part of the country, so uh, I know there's a lot of good folks here, and it's good to see you all here tonight. Um, as Brent was telling you, you know, we have prayed about this for a long time. We have met together. We've we've talked about things. We've we've uh, asked the Lord to lead this, and for us just to be able to be here and be a part of it, that He would use our voices and our words, that you might hear His through us. So my job is going to be to introduce you to that guy that nobody wants to talk about. The one that gets whispered out, you know, in the, in the darkness. The one we've all met at some point in our life. So I'm going to start you off with a quote from Sun, Sun Tzu. I don't know if you ever know who that is or not, but he wrote a book called The Art of War. And that quote is this, If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory you gain, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Paul writes that there are angels who will be judged. Corinthians 6.3 and both 2 Peter 2.4 and Jude 1.6 refer to angels who have sinned and await punishment. Satan, the devil, also known as Lucifer, was created an angel. Not just an angel, but the most beautiful angel in all the kingdom. He was a cherub. He was set over all the other angels. God would tell Satan, Lucifer, to go and relay his messages to the others. And that was his job. But he, does, he did like a lot of us do. He started looking at himself and thinking, I look pretty good. I'm somebody. He started looking at himself in the mirror and thinking, ha, look how beautiful I am. Then he started looking at God's throne and said, I should be sitting there because look at me. I'm beautiful. Look at me. I could do all God does. He just sits up there, you know, he doesn't do anything else. He just created the world and all there is in it. But, you know, he didn't do anything else, did he? In Luke 10:18 Jesus mentions to the disciples that he saw Satan falling from heaven. In Matthew 25:41 uh, he's talking about the separating of sheep and goats and he says that the some will be thrown into the eternal fires that are prepared for the devil and his angels. 
So when he left heaven, when, when he corrupted and God saw that and, and cast him out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with, her, with him. And they are the demons that plague us today. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. That's from Revelation 12, 7 through 9. There were months in the second century that made the connection between the falling morning star of Isaiah 14.12 and Satan. And Isaiah writes concerning Babylon, but this passage is traditionally understood to be referring to the fall of Satan. It says, all, you pomp, all your pomp has been brought down to the grave, along with, those, uh, with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you, and worms cover you. Have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the, re- the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you, brought, you, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Isaiah 14, 11 through 15. You see, he was blameless when he was created. There was no guile in him. But God drove him out. He expelled him from heaven. Which made him even more envious and more cutthroat than we could even imagine. So Satan comes to the earth and he's he's looking around at what God has given man. This beautiful garden. And all that's in it is theirs. And all the whole world that God has made, he has made man head of that. We've had dominion over all the earth, over all the fish of the sea, all the, the creeping things on the earth, all the birds of the air. We were there. We got to name all these things, right? Yeah. That's why we got such weird names for things, I guess. <laughs> but in that, in that time, God communed with man, with Adam and with Eve. He would walk with them in the garden. He would talk with them. They were having a really good time. And God just told them one thing, just one thing. You know what that one thing is, right? Yeah, don't eat of that tree. You can have anything else that I've got, anything else. Leave that tree alone. Don't go near it. Don't touch it. If you do, you'll die. So the devil came in the form of this serpent, this snake. 
and he he snuggles up to I'll just read you the scripture so that you know I don't screw this up. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Did God really say to you you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We meant we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit was good, and desirable, she took and she ate. And then she took some to her husband and offered it to him. Now, he had a choice. He could have said, oh, you really messed up. We weren't supposed to do that. But instead, you know what he did? He ate of the fruit. Immediately, their eyes were opened, the Bible says, and they took fig leaves and covered themselves. Well, as God would do normally, he would come in the evening and to converse with, with Adam and Eve, and he came, and he walked with them, and he called for them because they weren't showing up. And he said, where are you? And they answered and, and said, we heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman, <laughs> threw that woman under the bus right away, didn't he? <laughs> he said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And then the woman, she didn't, she, you know, they're holding the bag, and she says, but, but, The serpent deceived me, and I ate of the fruit. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make you... Uh, your pains in childbirth, very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat your food from it for all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. To dust you are and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Knowing good from evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and to take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden. He drove him out. And he set a cherubim in front of it with a sword so that they couldn't enter. 
So the devil ushered sin into our world. And we like to blame it all on the devil because he offered it. But come on. We have to take our part, right? Because we agreed to it. She could have told him, no, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. Adam could have said no to her. What are you doing? We can't do that. How many times when we've been presented with a temptation, have we given in and said, oh, that won't hurt. That'll be okay just this one time. Nobody will know about it. It'll be okay. But we know the outcome of that. I want to talk to you a little bit about the devil because in the beginning of this I said one of the things you have to know is you have to know about yourself and you have to know about your enemy. So what do we know about the devil? We know he's cunning. The Bible says he's wily. We know he's deceitful. We know he's a liar. In fact, the Bible says he is the king of liars. He's an accuser. That's, that's what the word Satan actually means, is accuser. He is violent. He has no problem in harming you. He doesn't care about you. He is a tempter. See, he knows. He knows us, too. He watches us. You see, the Bible says that he, he roams around like a lion, seeking whom he might devour. So he watches. See, that's what a lion does. He watches, and he watches for the one who has a weakness, maybe a broken leg or, or a sickness or something that makes him weaker than the others, and then he pounces, and that's how he gets his prey. The devil does the same thing. He watches for our weaknesses. And when he finds that weakness, he will use it. There's something else he uses against us. Guilt. Right? So, you did something wrong. And you ask God to forgive you. And God forgives you the moment you ask. Right? The moment you ask him to forgive you, he says, it's done. But the devil wants to come back and give, heap that guilt on you. you. You want to get up in front of all those people and talk about me? Ha, 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 ha. Don't you remember what you used to be? You can't get up there and do that. See, he wants to lie to us. He wants to tell us these things so that we're hobbled, so that we're restrained, so that we're crippled. He is evil. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. I didn't prepare any slideshows or anything fancy like that. I'm kind of an old guy. <laughs> I'm not really able to, to do all those things. But I want you to do this because this is an easy exercise. This is something all of us can do. I want you just to think for a minute about the picture that you see when you think of the devil. Okay, use your imagination. What does he look like? 
You got, you got your picture? Okay. Well, does he look like this? Does he have horns? Is he red? Does he have, have a tail and a pitchfork? Well, isn't that what we're told as children that the devil looks like? Remember, the devil was an angel. Not only was an angel, but he was the most beautiful angel. Does beauty itself make you good or bad? No. So could the devil be, like, beautiful? So when you look around, you're not really looking for the monster in the closet. Right? He could be, or she could be, sitting next to you. <laughs> no pointing fingers. <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. So we know how the devil works, right? We know that he's crafty, he's, he's, he's after us, he's trying to, to get us on every corner, right? He's trying to, to figure out, especially if, if you are ready to make a commitment for God, he is going to do everything in his power to stop you from getting there. So what can we do? Are we powerless? No. We're not. In Ephesians 6... Paul writes this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that she may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes uh, of your feet will have the, the readiness of peace of the gospel. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may uh, declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what we can do is we can ask Jesus Christ into our life. We can accept him. And then we can trust him. And we can put ourselves in his hands. Because it's not by my name, it's not by my strength, it's not by any power that I can have of my own. 
but it's by Jesus Christ, by his blood and by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So you see, that's how, that's how Jesus defeated the devil. He was t- tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Right? He was taken up and they, they took him up to the high pinnacle and told him, you know, look down and all that you see is yours. And he refused it. And he knew that, that Jesus had been fasting and he was hungry. And he said, there's a rock right there. There's a big stone. You could turn that into bread. And he said, man does not live by bread alone. He defeated the devil by using the word of the Lord. So when you come against Satan, and you will in your lifetime, don't try to fight him on your own. So you got three, you got three with you all the time. you got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're formidable. Okay? They're going to take Satan and kick him out just like they did out of heaven. So don't fret and don't fear but be aware see that's what that's what i'm trying to get to you is, is be aware know who is after you understand that he's there but don't give in to him tell him he has to leave get thee behind me satan in the name of jesus christ Amen. and he will flee You're going to hear from three more presenters that will give us information about how to recognize spiritual warfare and what you can do about it and how you can recognize it in your life. And what I would ask you to do at this moment with me is to pray. So if you would bow your heads. Lord God, I thank you again for this day. I thank you for all that you do for us every day. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your, your power comes down upon us tonight. Lord, that your spirit is here and fills this room. Lord, I pray that there is... is So many around us, Lord, your angels covering us, that no evil thing can come in this building and that we will be free, Lord God, to trust in you and open ourselves up to you. So whatever your will is, Lord, let it be done tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Very good, David. Time of reflection. Uh, we know about Satan. And Satan's purpose, one of the verses says, rob, steal. And if, he, and if he can't rob or steal, he'll destroy. If he can't destroy, he'll steal or rob. But he's constantly after us. But our weapons are greater than his weapons. Because we had the blood. We have the spirit, and we have the word. And the word defeated, Jesus used the word to defeat Satan, and we can use the word. That's why we got to study the word to know how to use the word. But we don't have to fear him, and we don't have to live in shame or condemnation. Because Jesus does not condemn us. When we ask for forgiveness, he covers it with the blood, and he'll say, Lord, forgive us uh, that sin again. He'll say, what sin? It's buried. So we don't have to live in shame or condemnation, and we can overcome Satan because of the weapons of warfare that God has given us are mighty. So let's use them. Thank you.
you but I'm excited about this. This is something that myself not too many years ago was unfamiliar with as a pastor. It's not that I didn't know about the devil and demons but what I was taught was that we didn't have to worry about that. As long as you're a Christian, the devil can't touch you. That's what I was taught growing up. And you know where that line came from? It came from the pit of hell. <laughs> That's exactly where it comes from. You know, one of the devil's greatest tricks is to convince you he does not exist. Or that he's a cartoon figure with horns and a red jumpsuit and a pitchfork. Yeah, Brother Dave did a good job getting us started off, and I appreciate that. And now, uh, unfortunately, you have to put up with me, uh, and especially the folks here at the church, they know, you know. But this is uh, going out live um, on our website and actually on Facebook right now. But it will be recorded and stored on LexingtonChristianChurch.com's uh, website. You can go to the live stream, scroll down, and you'll be able to share this with others if you choose to do so. So uh, I just wanted to let you know 
that that's available. You know, as I said, I, I really was, you know, it's, it's eight years ago maybe that I really got serious about learning about these types of spiritual realizations. I didn't really believe in miracles either because I was taught they don't really happen anymore. That was all back then, and it's passed away. Well, thank God I know better now. (laughs) I've seen miracles. I have witnessed them with my own eyes. And by the way, what do you call it when a person who is dead in their trespasses and sins is brought back to life? I think that's a miracle. (laughs) I'm going to try to be good and be still tonight. Usually I roam all over the place, but I don't have my uh, wireless mic on, so I'm going to try to behave and be still. But uh, by the way, that chili was wonderful. Thank you, ladies. Uh, You know... My topic tonight is recognizing the battle. Uh, You know, spiritual discernment uh, to understand the battle. You know, so many Christians don't seem to realize that there is a battle. They're more of a playground than a battlefield for a lot of Christians who just kind of don't see it. Something goes wrong, it's a coincidence or... It's my fault or it's so-and-so's fault. But you know, Scripture tells us that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and dark beings and high places. So, you know, there's so much to this. And in this short time, we're trying to bring a realization And hopefully we will repeat this yearly and maybe even more often and get deeper and deeper into it and bring more and more detail. But, you know, to recognize the battle, first of all, we have to be aware there is a battle. If you don't know you're in a battle, you probably won't be prepared. And I can tell you for sure, that a soldier that goes out without their equipment onto the front lines does not last long. Amen. And there are casualties in the spiritual war. How many people have ever had a broken heart? Amen. How, how many people have ever been so frustrated that you just didn't know what to do? You know what you'd like to do. <laughs> But as a Christian, you just couldn't go there. You know, these are some of the evidences of the battle. And we just lost. (laughs) Or at least a portion of it. You know, there's so many things that we don't equate with evil that we should. We play around with a lot of things. Anybody besides me when they were little ever have a Ouija board? Yeah, did you have any idea that it come from the pit of hell? No, No, neither did I. 
It's just a game. What was it? Milton Bradley? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a game. Uh, how many of you have kids who love Harry Potter? Or grandkids that love Harry Potter? Yeah, you see, that's one of the dangers about Harry Potter. It's not only that it's evil in its teaching and concept of, oh, I'm a kid, I've got all the power. I can do whatever I want. But it's also evil in that it draws our attention. And the younger you are, the more attention it draws of you to it. Because it's designed for that purpose, to suck you in and make you think in a fantastical way of how great it would be. I'm in charge. God's not. I am. I have the power. Those are things that we should look for as signs that we are not honoring God with that time and with that portion of our life. You see, when we talk about discernment, to, dis- to discern something is to have a realization of what may not be crystal clear, and yet we can still see it for what it really is. I'll give you an example. Have you ever been going down the road just minding your own business, driving your car, and just, you know, going along, maybe listening to some tunes and, you know, just having a good time going down the road, and all of a sudden you look up and you see red lights in the bank in your mirror? It's kind of like, uh, I just discerned something was wrong, and I was part of it. (laughs) I mean, you know, really, that's sometimes how easily we're caught off guard. We're just sidetracked. Who can tell me the meaning of the word amuse? Amuse. Who can tell me? What does the word amuse mean? Awe is not. Muse is think. So amusement, amusement is not thinking. Can I get an amen? Amen. How much time do we spend being entertained, not thinking, just allowing that little box from hell to tell us what to think and what to believe and how we should live our life and what we should buy and what we should be, what clothes we should be wearing and on and on it goes. So many people, that's their whole life. Now, I already told you where the box come from. Guess where the information on it comes from? From the devil's mouth to your ear? I mean, is there such thing as a television show, even a kid's show, that doesn't have people that are supposed to be a couple that aren't married? That are obviously involved? In more ways than they should be. I mean. There's all kinds of things around us. At all times. That the devil is trying to use to lure or seduce us. 
away from the things of God. Now, you know, there's a gift of discernment that the Bible teaches about. But there is also a discernment that we should all have, like the lights in the rearview mirror. You know, we can put together pretty quickly that something's wrong. This policeman is probably not pulling us over to congratulate us. We just won a million dollars, and he wanted to be the first one to let us know. That's usually not how it works, although by the time he's done, you may owe a million dollars. (laughs) But, you know, recognizing the battle. You know, I'm ashamed to say this, but again, up until just a very few years ago, anytime someone did something that hurt me, I blamed them personally. But then I realized what the Bible actually says. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. We have to look beyond that person and see that there is a demon that is helping that person to say that nasty thing to you. Or to do that nasty thing that hurts you. You know, I understand that there are evil people. They have submitted themselves to the demons and they accept it and they like it and they enjoy hurting people. But usually those people aren't in the church. Now I'll say usually. Not, not that they're not sometimes in the church, but usually they're not. And, you know, the thing is, is that this, this battle is spiritual in nature. So... It's not like we can look around and see all of the enemy. You know, there's enemies all over this room right now. But there's also angels. Those that are on our side. They're all around. Do you remember growing up, the cartoons, they used to have, you know, a little angel on one shoulder and a little demon on the other shoulder? There's a lot more truth to that than I think sometimes we give credit for. It's what I call Looney Tunes theology. But it works because if you really understand the nature of this battle, your mind is the battleground. Your mind is the battleground. There is an evil influence that is trying to make us think about things we should not think about. Trying to stop us from doing good even if he can't make us do evil. Just to stop us from doing good is sufficient. Think about that. (laughs) And on the other hand, then we have the angels that are constantly trying to woo us and constantly trying to remind us of what God said in his word. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did... What did the Father say? What did the Father say? Remember what he said in his word. We are to do this good work. We are to spend time in his word. We are to spend time in prayer talking to him. We are to spend more time with him than we are with anything else. That's what you call having 
Christ in the center of your life. Not the television, not the novels, not even the news, folks, because most of the news nowadays is so disgusting and disappointing. Who wants to hear it? You know, I can't wait till there's a day when I turn television on, which I don't, by the way. I haven't watched TV in 13 years. But if somebody turned television on and all of a sudden the news reporter saying, man, you won't believe this. There was a major revival that broke out and there was 3,000 people got saved tonight. Yeah. I know. I thought about that and then I woke up. (laughs) It could happen. God can do anything. And that's the good thing about this battle. God can. You can't. I can't. God can. You know, there is a scripture here that I want to share with you that is uh, from... 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse, I want to start with verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we... Have the mind of Christ. So how do you discern things? Well, it's pretty important that we know the word of God. Because if you're going to know something of the spirit, the number one thing is you have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And there's only one way to do that. First, you have to humble yourself. You have to cut down to the level, be cut down to the level of realization that, hey, I can't do this on my own. There has to be a better way. I have been struggling and fighting and, and, and biting and kicking and screaming and yelling. And I have been doing everything I can and I'm still not making it. I'm still miserable. I'm still alone here. I'm still not happy. Nothing seems to work. And then we hear the gospel. And Jesus says, oh, but I love you. I will help you. I will make your life a little bit better. I won't take away all your problems, but I'll go through them with you. You know, we often, as as baby Christians, we want Jesus to take everything away so that we don't have to deal with it. And maybe... At first, when we are baby Christians, he does that. You know, just like when you bring that little brand new newborn home, you don't expect them to get up and cook their own meal. You don't even expect them to go get up and fix their own bottle, do you? 
you do it for them. Why? Because they can't yet. But as they get older, we teach them how to do these things. God is teaching us, little by little, through the Word, through the help of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching us, little by little, how to do these things for ourselves. And He expects us, over time, to pick up where He drops off. There even comes a time when we let our children go out by themselves. Ooh. And then later, even scarier than that, we give them the keys to the car. And you never see the car again in the same condition. And it never has gas again. (laughs) But anyway. So here we are. You know, that's the first and most important thing, is that we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We confess our sins, we repent of those sins, and we put our faith in. We accept Jesus Christ, not just as our Savior, but also as our Lord. Do you know that in the Bible, if you pay close attention, in the earliest part of the book of Genesis, Adam had referred to the Father as Lord God. Lord God. He is my Lord God. Lord God, how are you today? Lord God, I'm so happy to be here with you. But after the fall, after the sin, he just called him God. He dropped the Lord. Wow. Do you understand the significance of that? It's one thing. You know, how many of you have heard somebody refer to somebody as a god or a goddess of some certain thing? Oh, he's the god of all mechanics. He's the god of of basketball or baseball or football. She's the goddess of, of all of the runners in the world. I mean, we, we use phrases like that. We shouldn't, but yet we do. And even though they're not really God with a capital G, they become small gods in some people's eyes with a small g. But Lord is your master. Lord is recognizing He's in charge. He's not just God, the creator, who made everything for us, and then we left him alone. He's our Lord. Jesus is not just my Savior. He is my Lord. So once we have that issue settled, and we're set in that, then we have the Holy Spirit given to us. And through the Holy Spirit, we are given all kinds of gifts that we don't even know about. We are told that through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're given all heavenly gifts. Oh, what is all the heavenly gifts? Does anybody know? I don't. Dan's got his doctorate. Maybe he knows. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's tough Because we have to learn a little at a time, just like that newborn. A little bit at a time, one step at a time. We start out crawling, 
again, as we pick up the pace, as we begin to grow, we're expected to notice certain things around us. We're, begin, we're supposed to notice that when we hear that voice that says, go ahead and steal that candy bar. I know because I did that. I only did it once. Because my mom not only spanked me severely, but she made me go back, give it to them, apologize, and pay for it. I never forgot that lesson. But there was that voice. He said, you know you want this. And your mom, she's she's not going to buy it for you. She done told you, no, you can't have it. But you deserve it. Now, you move on up till you become a grown-up. And, you know, next thing you know, the devil's saying, you know, you deserve that promotion. You've been here longer, you work harder, you're smarter than anybody else on the job. You deserve that promotion. And if you're not careful, just like Dave told us, you know, about Satan, we begin to look at ourselves in the mirror too long and with the wrong ideas. You know, I know nobody else in here besides me does this, but sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't see any faults. I'm not fat. I'm just pleasantly plump. You know, we have a way of excusing ourselves, and that too is a trick of the devil if we're not careful. Truth is truth. I am fat. I don't really care, but I am. <laughs> I kind of enjoy my eating. And if somebody else don't like it, that's their problem. <laughs> but, you know, there are so many things that want to pull us away from God, our time with God, our time with God's people, our time with the lost, trying to minister to them. You know, how many of you have ever experienced a time when you sat down with your Bible and the moment you began to read and really start to get into it, you go, you get really sleepy. Do you know that's from hell? That is the work of a demon to make you sleepy so that you don't spend time in God's word. Because... You think about this. You close the Bible and you turn on the boob tube and you instantly wake up and get all excited. Or you pick up a novel and you read it and you're all excited. You're wide awake. Or even better yet, you just close your Bible and you lay down to go to sleep and you can't. You're wide awake. It's like, so you pick up the Bible again. These are all things that the devil will do to rob us of our time with God, which is a blessing. How many times have you been out somewhere and you felt a nudge to say something to somebody? To say something nice to somebody, maybe. 
You know, you see some person, they look like they're struggling, they look like they're having a hard time, and you just feel like, you know, I ought to go over and say to this person, Jesus loves you, or, you know, just say something, something kind, something nice. But the devil says, nah, you shouldn't do that. Don't worry about them, that's their problem, not yours. Or, ew, look at them, they're nasty, filthy. You can smell them all the way over here, can't you? There's always some way that the devil wants to pull us away from doing the things that we should do and to get us doing things we should not do. This is the battle. Folks, there is actually a very simple way for us to understand what recognizing the battle is. And that is anything, any struggle, any problem, any concern, anything we have that pulls us away from our time with God, our time of worship, is of the devil. It can be your mom calling in the middle of a prayer. Of course, if my mom called, it would be a miracle she's in heaven. And I'd take that call. <laughs> but, you know, there's so many things. How many, how many times do you sit down to, to read the Bible or you get ready to start your prayer time and your phone rings? Or your doorbell rings? These are all ways that the devil uses people to distract us. Now, we have... Not just one enemy, but we have three. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We have three enemies, not just one. Now, the flesh, we're kind of born with and stuck with it, right? But the true nature of the flesh is that sin nature. In other words, we are drawn to sin. We are pulled towards something that is sinful, if we face it on our own without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the help of God, if there is some, uh, let's say, some member of the opposite sex that is really pulling your eyes and maybe, you know, they're being very seductive towards you. And what are you going to do? I mean, there it is. It's being offered. What are you going to do? Well, we need to start praying and first and foremost, turn our eyes away. Turn your eyes away. I mean, you know, Joseph is a young man. He ran, literally ran. And that might not be a bad thing either, but of course I can't run. So I would hobble very quickly. (laughs) But... You know, that's the first thing is whatever it is that is pulling us away, we have to recognize what that is. And the second thing is get away from it. If you have a problem with porn, stay off of the Internet. Okay? Stay off the Internet. If you have a problem with uh, lusting after members of the opposite sex, you're going to have to get serious of praying with God and asking him to help you 
to keep your eyes on the one you've committed to. And if you're single, that one you're committed to, his name is Jesus. And we will be faithful to him. And if you're not, there's literally can be hell to pay. So the devil wants us, anything he can use, anything. There are all kinds of things that different people are drawn to. There's as many different likes as there are people. And we all know what we like. But the devil, he will send different demons to tempt us in different ways until he can figure out where our weakness lies and then he just hammers it and hammers it and hammers it. And we have to learn to go to the source of power that is greater than him. He that's in you is greater than he that's in this world. Our Father in heaven is more powerful than anything or anyone else. He created everything else, including Satan. He created him. And if you created something, you can usually uncreate it. <laughs> you can at least put it in its place. You know, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I know there's more coming up from the other two speakers in the morning, so I don't want to get too much into their areas of this topic. But we have to be careful because it's so easy to get caught up in the emotions of things. And when your emotions are being used against you... (laughs) is what the devil likes to do. He likes to use your emotions against you. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, How many of you remember that uh, there was a show on television, I think in the 80s, 70s, or 80s, uh, where there was a guy who lived in an apartment with two girls, and his landlord was convinced that he was gay. Now, he really wasn't, but his landlord would allow him to live with those two women because he was, in theory, just another one of the girls. Folks, that was a deceptive way for the devil to introduce homosexuality. We laughed at that person. We laughed at that situation. And honestly, when you think about it, it's no laughing matter. But that's the way the devil does. He gets us to mock things that are evil if he can. To laugh at supposedly their expense. But then later on there came another movie about a homosexual. And it was called uh, the Philadelphia I think is what it was called. And it was a lawyer. And in this movie this lawyer was a homosexual. He was in a homosexual relationship and he his partner had AIDS and was dying. Now I'm not going to lie folks, I cried like a baby watching that. I felt so sorry for them. And then I realized what had happened. 
I had been sucked in to an evil scheme. And I felt sorry for somebody that was living like and for the devil. Not that we shouldn't care about those people. I'm not saying that. But this was not a real situation, folks. This was a movie. (laughs) And made me start to want to think differently about homosexuality. I was thinking, well, you know, they're just people too, and they're just in love too, and, you know, they have struggles just like the rest of us. And then the, the Lord said, that was the whole purpose of that movie, was to get you to think that. That's the way the devil lures us, sidetracks us, uses our emotions against us. When you think with your emotion instead of your brain, you get in trouble. If you don't believe that, wait till the next time your spouse says something you don't like. And just let your mouth run according to how you really feel. And see what happens. It won't be pretty, folks. Been there, done that. But when we use our brain, we think, wait a minute, is that really what they meant? Or am I reading something into this that's not really there? Because the devil's a master at that. Getting us to hear half-truths. And then reading into it more than is really there. Here's another thing that I want to leave you with. And that is that often when we have thoughts that are bitter, thoughts that are angry, thoughts that are very negative. Those thoughts do not come from within your own mind or your own heart nine times out of ten They come from an external influence. Some demon is trying to influence you to think that you are less than. You're less than those others who are prettier, who are skinnier, who are whatever. Who have doctorate degrees. (laughs) Sorry, Dan. (laughs) I had to pick on you, buddy. You're not being a part of it, so I have to pick on you and include you somehow. (laughs) In case y'all don't know, I love Dan very much. <clears throat> we, uh, we grew up kind of together and separate. And Dan, I'm going to share something here that you might not like. Sorry if that's the case, but there was a time in my life when I bought drugs from him. <laughs> yeah, both of us are preachers now. Amen. See? Guess how that spiritual warfare played out? God won. All right. Praise the Lord. I hope that I've said enough to get you thinking on the right track. Brother Dan, you're going to come and give us some reflection here and prayer.
Well, that was an eye-opener, wasn't it? How many times? I've been guilty of that, right? The Bible says to bring every thought into captivity, and now we know why. Amen. Because a lot of times, the thoughts aren't our thoughts. It's a devil implanted. You really feel this way, and you really don't feel that way, but you start believing it. So that that's really good. Uh, and you know, yeah, Satan has all kinds of devices, and the demons are real. They're very real. They're just as real as the angels. And their thing is to rob, steal, and destroy, too. And one thing that Satan uses with Christians, he keeps us busy doing good things so we won't spend time with God doing the very excellent things. He uses activities. How many has been sidetracked doing activities? Not bad things, good things. Right? And really, God has to be our first love and our first priority. Has to be. Because if it's not that way, our life is not going to line up and we're not going to grow. So let's just uh, bow our heads and uh, have prayer and then we'll listen to the music too. Lord, the Spirit says it searches us in deep things. So, Lord, if there's anything in our soul or anything in our body that we're doing, Lord, that is displeasing to you or that we need to give up, not wink at, but actually deal with it, Could you please make us aware of that now as we reflect on the things we have heard? Bring things to our mind so that we can agree with you, Lord, so that you can remove it. So we just ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
I just wanted to follow up with something that Mitch said. Um, when I was a kid, I lived on South 2nd Street in uh, Scottsburg, Indiana, and uh, I was in love with uh, basketball. And I lived next to this guy. There was a fence that was behind our house, and um, he would always walk around with his shirt off. He was always kicking a tree with his shin because he was trained to be a silent assassin. He was always hitting his dog uh, all the time and uh, usually cursing. I didn't really know much about the guy at all except the fact that I knew that he was very dangerous. And my mom and dad always said, if your basketball goes over that fence, you never, ever go get it because that man's dangerous. And so I never knew who that man was until I got a little bit older and I actually went to his church. His name was Dan McDonald. And, um, and, I, and I don't, I'm not saying that to get a kick. I'm saying that to say that's the power of God in spiritual warfare to overcome the enemy. I would have never thought I grew up and here I am this shy backwards kid going up to this guy, you know, in the karate and everything. And I ended up being the associate minister at his church. Uh, I would have never thought it would have happened. And so that just goes to show forth uh, the supernatural power of God to be able to change a person's life. Um, we were going to end tonight with a Q&A, but um, I don't feel like that's what we need to do this evening. I would like to spend the rest of this time. I, I just, I see two words, let go, let go. That's what I see. Um, and I believe that tonight, that's exactly what needs to happen in particular. There's a stranglehold of someone is living in some maybe a, a secrecy or some sort of complete absolute guilt trip that's being handcuffed by the enemy and squelched out like a python squeezing the spiritual breath out of your life. And, and this evening, I want to pray, if that be you in particular, we want to pray for that before you go. Um, but we're, Doc, if you don't mind, if you don't mind to sing two or three more songs, if you don't mind, maybe five, ten, I don't know, I'm joking. But you, did a, you guys did an outstanding job too. Let's take this time to press into the Lord. Is there something that he's showing us? Is there something he's pressing upon you that maybe you've heard? Or maybe there's some things in your life that you need specific prayer about. We would love to come and we would love to pray with you. You can lay yourself out on this floor. Maybe seek the heart of God in these last moments of worship and let go, whatever that is. If it's sin, if it's burden, if it's insecurity, if it's jealousy, if it's envy, whatever it is, behind that oftentimes is a spiritual battle and enemy. You can't, you can't medicate away a spiritual problem. It takes a supernatural power to deal with that supernatural problem. Well, let's let that supernatural power come on us tonight and with us this evening and bring freedom and restoration into our life. So let the Lord have his way this evening. And may you come and may you pray. And uh, listen, there's no time limit on this. If you got to go, we understand that. But if you need to t- stay here till midnight, that's fine too. I'm okay with that. And um, we want to see people free, set free, and um, changed by the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, guys, let me pray. You guys sing, you know, a couple songs or so, and then uh, let the, the power of God is be here this evening. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the word that's been expressed forth. We thank you for the, for the gleanings that the rich harvest that we have received. I thank you that um, mentioned David has been a spiritual archaeologist to dig out the golden truths of the scriptures that they have now polished off for us. Now it's our turn to accept those truths and make them applicable to our life. And so we pray just now, Lord God, that you would be among us and you would be with us. Lord, your power is present to bring healing and restoration. Your power is present to set free and deliberate. 
First of all, from sin through repentance. That's the most greatest thing is that we repent of sin, even hidden things in our life. But also, Lord God, those areas and pockets of our life that we've never allowed you to heal within us. Personality quirks, deep insecurities, deep fears, deep things that are deeper secrets that are within us that we've never let anyone touch. And because of that, the enemy uses those as footholds to gain access into our mind and heart and spirit and soul. We pray this evening, Lord, that there would be liberation. We pray this evening that freedom would take place. And we pray this evening, God, that you display your supernatural power. So much so that as a man sits on the beach in the presence of the sun, can't leave away without his skin being changed. Because we have sat in your presence, in the presence of the sun this evening, our heart, spirit, and soul can't be changed because we have been marked by the power of your presence. So, Lord, be with us now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, everybody. Let's give our first speakers of this conference a round of applause this evening tonight. Amen. For, for an individual who knows what goes into preparing to equip and teach, it takes a lot of time. It's not something that is definitely meant to do good for the sake of the gospel. It takes a lot of time. And so, both of you all, we are great. We greatly appreciate you all taking the time to teach and for us to learn. Amen. So this evening, as we continue praising the Lord with our voices, hopefully this is one that everyone knows. But if you don't, it's actually in the hymn books on page 33. I looked. Amen. So... Please sing along with us, all creatures of our God and King. All creatures of our God and King. Lift up your voice and get the same. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. Thou burning sun with golden beam. Thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Yeah. 
monster creator bless and worship him in humbleness oh praise him Since Dan's not real good with off the fly, he's going to set the next two out since we'd have to get more music pulled and everything. Um, so, I got one. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord. shall bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord He is Lord He is Lord He is risen from the dead and He is Lord We are standing, we are standing on holy ground, for I know there are angels all around, let's just praise Jesus now, we are standing in His presence. Yeah. 
spiritual mail. <laughs> oh, well, uh, we will be back here in the morning for the other two speakers. We'll start at 8.30. We will have a continental breakfast, more or less. Uh, and so you're welcome to come and join us. And uh, we hope that you will and bring a friend or an enemy with you. Uh, <laughs> If, if there's somebody you want to see a demon come out of, bring them with you. 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. Some of my family members, I think, are demons, but you know, uh, they're not here. <laughs> oh, well, praise God. Let's close out with prayer. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Uh, as, you, as you close us out, um, in 20 years of ministry, you and I both, and Brent and Herman and Dave and Dan and the, and the Gideons, yeah. I, I think one of the things that, that the demons do to believers is give us a hard heart towards the lost. Amen. Yes. Absolutely. And Oh yes. Broken heart. Amen. For those who, because people can be so difficult. Amen. It's easy no. to hard for the ones that we love. Amen. But can, can we do that tonight? Absolutely. We need to. You're right. Absolutely. All right. And if there's anybody who still has a need and you haven't had it met yet and you would like to do it more privately, we'll be here for a little bit. So, All right, let's pray. Let's all stand. Probably could stretch your legs a little bit anyway. (laughs) All right, Father God, Lord, we thank you so much that you love us so much. You displayed your love on the cross. Lord, You give us victory when you rose from the grave. Lord, we are so grateful to be a part of your family, a part of your kingdom. Lord, you did say to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I taught you. And so, Lord, one of the devil's tricks is to get us too busy to be concerned or that we get tired of being hurt and we take rejection personally when it's actually you that is being rejected. So, Lord, we ask you truly break our hearts for the lost, break our hearts for the saved, break our hearts Lord, we need revival. And revival begins with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So, Lord, we, we pray earnestly that you will break our hearts. Deliverance is wonderful. Being in your presence is awesome. But bringing others into your kingdom is just as awesome. So, Lord, help us. To help you. To stand with you and for you. To work according to what you want. Instead of what we want. Lord you put a question in my heart. Even this very morning. That I feel is appropriate here. You ask me. Do you. Do you surrender to me and serve me and let me use you? Or do you try to use me and cause me to surrender to you? Lord, help us surrender to you and be used 
by you for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen.